Yo, 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 what up? Welcome back to the one and only Minorities Report Podcast, your weekly deep dive into all things movies and entertainment through a colorful perspective. I'm your host, Kobe Mack, alongside a rainbow of realness. We got Raul Nevado at the Raul Nevado on Twitter. Say que lo que, Raul. Que lo que, loco. What's going on, people? <laughs> How are you, good sir? You all right? Yeah, man, can't complain, you know. Yeah, it's a beautiful Monday evening, and you know what we got next. We got Shama! We got Muhammad Shama in this piece, at Muhammad Shama on Twitter. Mahaban. Marhaba. Hello, everyone. <laughs> What's up, guys? <laughs> you feeling good? Yeah, I'm feeling great. You sound good. How's your insides feeling? Everything is good. Feel much better. Except he had, he had a minor heart attack a little while ago, but... Oh my gosh. It might be. And by minor heart attack, he means no heart attack. <laughs> no heart attack. There you go. We're not sure. And of course, that, that 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 delectable voice that you heard in the background, that's the bill to his Ted, the red to his Abraham, the potty mouth princess herself, our producer, the Desiree Nevado, a.k.a. Drizzy Dre. What up, though? What's up? Why can't I be the good version of Winston Duke? Like, why I gotta be Abraham? Oh, you are far <laughs> from gay. You're definitely, you are 100% way, way And she's red? Abraham. I guess, yeah. I, I guess we never hear Adelaide cuss. I suppose we would definitely imagine that red would cuss. But maybe I mean, that's she why. can. It wouldn't, it wouldn't sound that great, but she has the ability to. <laughs> and I hope that you guys would have the ability to consider following us. Follow the show at mreportpod on Twitter and Insta. And please subscribe to the website at mreportpod.com for any and all new content that we got there. But last but certainly not least, we have a special guest today for the Twitter folks. For the podcast folks, for the whole world, he's a theme park enthusiast with a taste for gore. A screenwriting professor that'll make you want more. The ice skating queen that'll make you want to scream. It's R.L. Terry. Good afternoon. Hey, hey, you guys. I'm very happy to be back. Thanks so much for uh, reaching out once again so we can talk about uh, the movie Us, which I'm uh, really excited to get into. Yes, yes, yes. We're very, very excited. But first... Up on the report before we get to what's really good, our weekend review. How's everybody doing? Are we good? Yeah, really good. Uh, my car broke down. So. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> That's <Okay>. not good. <laughs> but just good. Uh, and, but it's it's a good week, and we had a good weekend. Is, is the car working now? No, not yet. Hopefully we get it fixed tomorrow. It's it's going to be a lot of money, but <laughs> we I've got the Iron Bank, a.k.a. Ooh. my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I need I need some of those. I need like an I need an iron bank. You know what? I need a mother. Yeah, I need to borrow one of those. That's what I need to get. Google. Speaking of bank, next on the report, real quick, I want to get things going. Let's talk about some of these movies that made bank. And obviously, it can't go without saying that Jordan Peele's Us, the Universal debut, the nationwide release, made super bank number one at the box office with seventy one point one. Won seven million dollars. It almost quadrupled its budget. That's fantastic. I mean, I mean, twenty million dollar budget. Obviously, that's minus P and A, but that's gonna be really. So, Shama, since you're like our stats guy, is so did they did they clarify this is like either either the biggest debut for it's a very long original horror um, screenplay or like what's the actual what records did it break? It is yeah. 
and it, it's the it's the top gross for a, for a horror uh, horror movie. The previous one was Halloween, and uh, us like surpassed it. Man, but like Halloween, I guess since it's it's a remake, it didn't really kind of count against that, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Well, congratulations to us. It tells you this one: there is power in the black dollar, folks. Okay. Wow. <laughs> it's back to back. I mean, it's we gotta talk. About, I mean, that's what it is. It's the power of the black dollar. I mean, I'll tell you this. Obviously, I'm in Atlanta, the mecca for black entertainment, and all of the theaters. I mean, I've seen the movie twice already, and it was full to the brim of uh, of uh, people of my ilk that were showing out and uh, coming up in droves. I, I won't say that they left happy, but they came up, and that's what counts. Ryan, were the people of your ilk showing up to watch? Uh, to watch <laughs> Um, well, I didn't go around and ask which guy wanted a blowjob from me, so I couldn't, so I really have no way of knowing if my, my ilk was, uh, in large numbers in the auditorium, so I may have to try that since... Kalen wants to know, does so I will guys, have to try that in the future. Guys, does explicit cover what he just said? <laughs> it does. Okay. It does. It but, the MC17. My concern, but actually, I was just like Southern Jew, you know, like you know, that's that's what I was going for. But it, it's. Uh, oh. And he's also get studio movie grid, so it's like uh, high tier and. I did. Uh, I'd say my auditorium was, um, I mean, it was full and there was a nice mixture of people. You had all kinds of, you know, patrons there watching the movie. So I think it's a uh, testament to that it's not just a movie that uh, individuals that consider themselves members of the African-American community love. It's a movie that a lot of people really liked. and, And I think that's you know why it's doing so well and uh so yeah so i've only seen it once so i can only go off of you know, the auditorium that first time but it was a great cross-section of the local community sweet i'll say that I, this movie was really um it was my most anticipated of the year so it um i was eagerly awaiting to see it i missed two advanced screenings that kind of canceled on me at the last minute so i was canceled on all of to us catch it yeah, it, it canceled all of us. But, you know, I guess I would love to say that it was smart. Um, I think the debut at South by Southwest was smart to have it so close to the uh, to the major release and just to have, like, a little bit of, like, um, feedback from some of the people who got a chance to see it first. But really proud of it. I'm expecting it to not have too big of a drop either. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. The yeah, second week is probably not right. going to be much of a drop. Not much of a drop. No, it's Let's... going up against Dumbo, so... Uh... Yeah, I, I don't foresee, I foresee this holding strong against Dumbo because I think we're getting, um, I think we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, advertisements for Dumbo uh, because the studio is worried that it's not going to do as well. So I've noticed in the last week we've had a major push, you know, really connecting it with Tim Burton. Problem is, though, it's that Tim Burton, uh, especially his relationship with Disney's not really that, it's not really that good. I mean, just look at the the last several movies of his from Disney. It's not great. So I think they're trying to connect to a Tim Burton that ceased to exist after the 90s. And they're just hoping that, you know, connecting the film to him will get people's asses in the seats. Um, But between uh, Dumbo and Us, I mean, I feel strongly that Us will, uh, I think it'll drop. But I still think it's going to pull out, you know, on top of Dumbo. I think the real test is going to be next week when Pet Sip. 
I'm talking about Pet Cemetery. <laughs> when Pet Cemetery comes no, out come next on. week, no, that's gonna be the battle of the movies. I mean, there's there's not gonna be a lot of cross sectional audiences between Dumbo and you know and us, but the following week, I think there's gonna be obviously this. Like you said, Brian, there's gonna be that fighting of. Uh, us versus Pet Cemetery, and I actually I think their early reactions of Pet Cemetery are really positive, and I think that it may be a little bit more. I don't want to spoil anything. I think it's going to be a more easily digestible theater going experience for audiences. Yeah, it might and, actually be better too. Yeah, I think that means better. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, now. Let's the, look, the, let's, the, let's, the, the like the people love it. So and I mean, I gotta we'll have a screening next week on Tuesday, so we'll see it early. Maybe we can talk about it early. You shut your early screening mouth, okay? Gosh, <laughs> man, theater I, snob. Damn, I'm, I'm definitely not torn between Shazam and Pet Cemetery. There's no way no. I am seeing yeah. Pet Cemetery. <laughs> hey, that's what I'm talking about. I can't even watch the trailer. <laughs> yeah, she was able to watch us though, because it's not a horror. Film. It's not a horror film. <laughs> We will get to what is a horror film and what is not. I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation coming up. And not to delay anything, let's go ahead and keep on pushing forward to round out the rest of the top five in the box office. Yeah, Captain Marvel still holding strong, dropping less than 50% um, with inside of this uh, this third week, but does fall in second place at $34.2 million. You got Wonder Park at $8.7 million, five feet apart. Unfortunately, not able to capture... I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, you know, it's a Nickelodeon movie. What can we say? It's a movie with no director. Like, what can you expect? Yeah. But um, Five Feet Apart is not matching what Fault in Our Stars um, was. It's unfortunate. In, uh, yeah, it really is unfortunate. 8.54 million. And then How to Train Your Dragon still pumping strong um, with 6.5 million. I think it's like almost, almost it's a little over $500 million, um, you know, globally uh, with a worldwide take. Um, a, a couple other things that stood out to me in regards to the box office. Captain State, Bob, <laughs> Uh, fighting my family. I don't know what the hell is going on that people do not want to watch this movie. Like, it's it is, unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's pretty good. It's, it's so good and it's really unexpected. I mean, like, yes, it's a wrestling movie, but it's really not about wrestling. But gosh, and then oh, shout out to one of the goats of the '90s, Cruel Intentions, making. I love Cruel Intentions. It was the oh first time that I was introduced to Bittersweet Symphony from Let the Verve. So on in the middle of May, the Cruel Intentions traveling stage play is coming to Atlanta, and I just bought my tickets. Nice, lucky you are. Sweet. I, I've well, never seen Cruel Intentions. There's a stage oh, play. Oh, Cruel Intentions is so good. You know, you, it's it's so good. Well, I mean, it so just the, the title turned me off. My prude teenage self. Oh, did not let me tell you something. The movie will turn you on the way on. <laughs> oh, Sarah Michelle Geller. Oh, gosh. I'll, I'll say this. This was my first um, non-heterosexual intimacy uh, experience in the movie theater, and I didn't understand what was happening. Um, I mean, it was really, it was a very ballsy movie for its time. Like, yeah. Like, really, really. And, and, I mean, Ryan Phillippe, Sarah Michelle Geller, Reese Witherspoon. I mean, everybody's in this movie. Um, even you have Selma Blair, like, it is Christine Baranski. Oh, exact Christine Baranski. Um, oh, you have Tay Diggs in the movie. Like, it, oh no, not, not Tay Diggs. See, this is where I'm confusing my black people. You got to forgive me. It's the other guy from Save the Last Dance. He's in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. But yeah, but I mean, the fact that this movie came out 20 million, uh, 20 million years ago, came out like 20 years ago, 20 years and it still ago. made a quarter, it made a quarter of a million dollars at the box office. So that says a lot. 
However, next in the report, we've got the news. 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 Ryan, do you have a soundboard that you can loan us? Um, I guess you could add that to your Patreon. Hey. And then, and then, uh, then hey. eventually get yourself a soundboard. Iro, right, go ahead and hit us with the news. <laughs> Last no PCS. Nah, last no TCS. And then the no PCS today. We got a couple things, man. Disney, Fox deal, closed. Finally, Slay. good lord. What's next? Uh, 10,000 people are going to be without a job. That's precisely. That, I thought it was 4,000. <laughs> Did you No, multiply? the numbers are actually upwards towards 10,000 yeah, now. It was in, so what does that it mean? It was in the Hollywood. It was in Variety, I mm-hmm. think it was. Of course, Variety doesn't really like Disney most of the time, so their number could be a little exaggerated. But that's a lot of people that can be without a job. What I find very disconcerting is everybody's like so excited to see, you know, X-Men added in the MCU and like all these other characters and the, you know, the X-Files and Alien and Predator, uh, just to just to name a few, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, but, you know, think of all the people that can be without a job. And a lot of this is because Disney is notorious for keeping not everything but a large portion of their work in-house so therefore it puts a lot of people out of a job and the segment of fox that's going to be hit the hardest is the television side as well as the shuttering of the fox 2000 label i mean that is going away and a lot of the tele a lot of the television is going to be shuttered so we're definitely going to see a lot of major changes and there, there i mean there are already people out of jobs and it's just going to it's just going to continue. So I, you know, I, I hope that as a result of this deal that, you know, Disney will use the Fox label to still source, uh, you know, producers, directors, and screenplays from the outside. Because, again, they do most everything in-house where you're, you write your screenplay on commission from them. Yep. They're not, they don't typically buy screenplays. So this is going to hit um, the mid, mid-budget mid movies really hard, like Fox Searchlight and others. So we're going to see a lot of changes here, and I think it's too early to say whether or not it's a good or bad thing. I just think, you know, we talk a lot about all the additions, but what's not getting a lot of uh, speaker time in your car or screen time on the TV is, you know, all these people that can be without a job, and they're going to be applying, you know, all kinds of places, not just in Southern California. They're going to be applying for jobs all over the country. So... Yeah. It's going to be even harder to land a job that is video production related, film related, entertainment related. Now that you've got 10,000 legit professionals that are going to be competing for these jobs that a lot of newly minted grads are also going to be going for. Yeah, and I, and, and I remember when this whole talks, when it wasn't even like, a, yeah, Disney's definitely doing it. When they were still in the talks, a big concern, especially for screenwriters, was like, well, that's one major studio that's now gone that used to be an option to buy your script and now is no longer going to be there. And, like, that was a big, big, big concern for screenwriters in the industry. Um, So, yeah. And they started quickly. They fired Elizabeth Gubbler, like, two days after the the merge happened. And now, like, uh, 475 people, their last week is this uh, Friday. But uh, for, for uh, Disney is really caring about Fox Searchlight because of the amount of the Oscars they, they, they brought to, uh, to Fox. So they care about Fox Searchlight a lot this year. So, but at, at the same time, yeah, we're looking for 10,000 people that will leave this year. So it's a lot. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting because Fox Searchlight is one of my favorite um, you know, production houses between Fox Searchlight, 
focus, you know, uh, focus features. It was kind of like they're in the vein of when the big companies still want to kind of feel indie, so they made this smaller house that they could take a little bit more riskier mm-hmm. properties on. I mean, you got like Shape of Water and uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Like one of my favorite films of the past decade is Black Swan, and that was produced by Fox Searchlight. And they won. They were big into signing like these deals with writers, keeping them like in the stables so that for them to keep producing content. And you know, I, it sucks because I love I love the superhero genre, and it's not going to go away. The superhero genre is the new western, and I feel like that if this was all. And the thing is, I know it wasn't. It was not all just to get you know the X Men and Fantastic Four away from Fox. Because if that was the case. I'll just pay them $10 billion for just those two pieces of IP to fold into the MCU. Oh, that's because, um, that's because it's, it's the 20th Century Fox division, uh, News Corp and 20th Century Fox, they separated some years ago. So, uh, Fox Sports, Fox News, uh, the Fox Broadcast Channel, like those are all going to stay, uh, stay with Fox, um. But I like your point about the uh, superhero genre being the new Western. I, I never thought about it in that respect before, but I think that's a, uh, I think that's a really good point. Um, the, you know, I think it's just it's it's early. You know, we'll have we're just gonna have to wait to see. You know what happens. Uh, you know what happens with all these. Uh, ultimately, I think what tipped the scale to making the deal is yeah. uh, Disney's uh, streaming service yep. that they're gonna Absolutely. be launching Disney Plus, Disney and so Plus. that is. More so than the uh, Marvel properties that Fox had, as well as others. Yeah, they have access it's to the, the entire the library now. Service. And the vault. Yeah. They said, yeah. like, even the vault, have you the, have access to the vault. Yeah, they're going to be able to put, they have that, they have all, not only the Disney content, but they have all of the Fox content that now can, mm-hmm. they can put onto the streaming service. Yeah, so That's they huge. can grab that content yeah. off of Netflix, and I believe they now have a controlling stake in Hulu. Is that, is that, do anybody know? No, yeah. they're they're it's they're trying on. for that. 40, I I don't think. Now. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna go. I don't think that's gonna go through. But Bob but they, they are, really they are trying for that. He wants to do it. He, he it's on the on the top of Who the list. Bob Iger to to have the Bob yeah. Iger. Yeah. Oh, I know he wants to. I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna happen though. I think. Um, there's gonna I mean, be a tipping I, point, I just, right? I don't see, I don't see that. There happening. has to be a tipping point. I mean, I thought we, we went over this in the '50s, like the Sherman Antitrust Act, of like breaking up these big companies. And I mean, with the Apple news that came out today, and sorry guys out there, um, you know, we may, we will try to, you know, touch on it a little bit if we can. Uh, but everything's kind of happening. I, I just feel like this, everything is eating. Once, it, I mean, like we, we, there's movies about this. Like we want to stop this stuff from happening. <laughs> no, I mean it, it's it is it is quite ironic that we. Uh, went through this with uh, U.S. versus Paramount in 1947, yeah. I think it was. And it's very similar. I think they're getting around laws because it's they're not... Um, I think the reason why I think they're getting around the laws is the biggest difference between U.S. versus Paramount and what we have now is that prior to U.S. versus Paramount, the, the distribution companies... Uh, the production studios also owned the movie yes. theaters, hence Distributors the Paramount and Movie Theater or, or, or Lowe's. And they don't own the movie theater anymore. I mean, AMC, Regal, Cobb, they're all their own you know, businesses. And so I think that it's, it's that piece that is really, I mean, there's probably other things too, but as far as yeah. major pieces, I think that's a major piece of the puzzle that's not here. Yeah, but hence th- why, you know, this can be really, really close without being the same. Thing. Disney has a lot of power though when it comes to these movie theaters. So it is scary now, you know, because at, before they had Fox, 
theaters are concerned about Disney. They're making sure that Disney's happy. They're making sure that nothing is happening to upset Disney so that the Disney content doesn't get pulled. And now it's Fox content as well. Well, I'll say this. There's interesting loopholes that obviously we're talking about that are being... Um, that are being exploited uh, by these bigger companies. And Shama, you got a chance to sit in on the entire keynote uh, for the uh, Apple event. And I think that kind of explores a little bit more, like, I don't want to say scarier, but more avenues in which these companies are finding unique ways to kind of get around some of those antitrust laws, you know, from the late 40s and early 50s. So what was your takeaway from the keynote that kind of stood out to you, Shama? Like for the past year, we had like we heard rumors that Apple wants to take part of the cake from from the streaming services. So they were trying to to let Netflix be embedded in the TV app, but uh, they they couldn't like um, settle a deal with them. So probably they started. It was it was probably vanilla cake. They like chocolate cake. Probably yeah. So they started to to produce their original content, and um, they were like trying to make everything in their secretive way, like without any uh, even like. Production wasn't announced. Nothing will happen till till today that we 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 know what's going on. Apple um, is releasing a new TV service called Apple TV uh, Plus. It's coming this fall. They have their original content by Steven Spielberg, by J.J. Abrams, uh, by M. Night Shyamalan, by uh, Damien Chazelle, all these by uh, Oprah Winfrey. And today, like they had this 45 minutes talking about uh, their content. And they are producing those TV shows in a in high budget, in a cinematic way. From the glimpse, they, they didn't even play trailers from the shows today. They just played some glimpse and you see high production, you see high, high budget coming. And uh, Apple is like, trying to change the TV experience. Like they, they released uh, the new TV app that was released in 2016. They revamped it today on the Apple TV and on the iPhones and the iPads coming in May for everyone, all your TV content will be merged together. Amazon Prime, Hulu, HBO, Stars, Showtime, everything will be together under the same app. So it won't be distinguishable like the content itself? It will be, like you will see the sign, but it, it will, it will um, all your TV, sh TV service providers like will be under the same app. Even if you have cable like DirecTV, like Spectrum, like Comcast, all of them will be under the same app. You can sign up for the service using the Apple TV app. Like just add like seven dollars for start uh, for starts, five dollars for Showtime. So there are two separate things: the TV app that got revamped, and the Apple TV Plus service that's coming in fall. We don't know how much it will be. We don't know it, if it, if it will have um, external content or it will just be for original content only. We're still waiting for what can happen. But the names that they are starting with are huge names. In huge the names, yeah. So essentially it is, we've cut the cable, but not really, that this is now, it's, it's, it's uh, indistinguishable from a cable service. Except instead of all these live channels, it's just we're going to group all of your favorite apps and services together so you can have them all in one location, which is kind of what Apple TV does anyway. But we're going to spin it as... It's Already? something new, but we're really just forming a new cable service. The biggest thing that, is just the content. Yeah, the biggest thing is just the content and the amount of money. Having spent. having Damien Chazelle produce a TV show for you, you know, work on a and TV direct show. It and having it. Spielberg work on something, having JJ, like these are big, big names. It's like they spend a billion dollar now only for those seven shows. So and Apple, Apple does something special that like their thing is like they have their thing. 
they make money doing their thing, you know, technology. The other things, like Apple Music, when they announce Apple Music, they're like, this isn't something we plan to make a lot of money off of. This is something we want to provide to people. And I feel like this is something like that. Where it's just like, yeah, we want to make money off of it. But like, uh, the biggest thing is just like, the, we just, if we bring people to us, they're going to buy our product, our technology, to access these things to tap in. Mm-hmm. And everything we make off of this is extra. So we're going to try to get the best talent we can to entice I think it's. I think it's. it's Apple awesome. is taking a different path now. Like the, the this keynote today was all all about services. They released Apple News Plus, Apple Card, a credit card from Apple, like in a different in a different way with no fees, with no late fees. Something new. Like Apple is trying to do something. They go. They go get me with that shit again. All right. I got the Apple credit card when I was in college. I spent three thousand dollars on a goddamn Mac, and I still haven't paid that bitch. No, that no. that was a Barclay card. Cards. Just Barclay card. That's a Barclay that Barclay yeah, card, that's okay? different. No, this one is an yeah. Apple card. Yeah. It's a, it's in a different way. Barclay's terrible. And and what what was really weird that, that Apple um they re- they they decided that re- they released their TV app on the Fire Stick, on the Roku, on the Samsung TVs, on the LG. On all yeah, platforms. Yeah, all platforms. They're just trying to be everywhere. Which is really um, not 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 the original Apple way of being in the market. You know, they will be distinguished with everything. To the best of your knowledge, was there any plans for adding either um, currently owned movies or newly produced movies to this platform? We don't know. They didn't say anything about... It definitely seems like a kind of contradictory thing. I mean, Steven Spielberg has been shitting on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah, but like, but, but like here, <laughs> here he's doing TV, TV, TV and show, so like, like movie. So his whole thing is just like, well, movies can't be considered movies if they're on a streaming platform, but TV shows they can't. So like, oh. it's it's just it's just hypocritical. <laughs> and a boss move, a boss freaking move by Steven freaking Spielberg. <laughs> Speaking of a boss move, one of the most boss movie stars in all of Hollywood. In all of Hollywood. You know who he is. Say his name. Say his name. It's Keanu freaking Reeves. And he's back, baby. Not with John Wick 3. He's back next summer with Bill and Ted Face the Music. Who's excited for the trilogy to finally come to a close with Bill and Ted? Finally. coming back. Not even a little bit. Are you Did you watch? What? Hey, Dre, did you, did you watch Bill and Ted growing up? Bill and Ted? Yeah. Yeah, Bill, Bill and Ted's, Ted's excellent Keanu adventure. Reeves. I don't know what Bill and Ted is. The first thing I saw Keanu Reeves was Speed. I can tell you my favorite way of experiencing Bill and Ted is that is the live Bill and Ted show at Halloween Horror Nights. Nights. That show is great. Um, Was great. Was. It was not in existence anymore. Sad day. Yes, that's really, really unfortunate. It got, I will say, um, if you grew up in Central Florida, being a part of Halloween Horror Nights, Bill and Ted's uh, uh, adventure they have there is one of the most raunchiest shows ever. And it definitely pushed a lot of buttons and it changed up the last couple years till they sadly brought it to a close. I heard it was even better out in L.A. Uh, But Dre, Bill and Ted is essentially these two 80s teens whose dream is to grow up and become rock stars. And they happen to stumble upon a time machine that is built inside of a payphone. Dre, do you know what a payphone is? Yes, I know what a payphone is. (laughs) All right, great. (laughs) So a part of their excellent journey is traveling through time and meeting some some interesting historical figures and then finding their inner awesomeness and putting on the greatest show of the entire galaxy, of the entire time-space continuum, uh, to be rock gods. You know what I think it is? I don't think girls watch this. (laughs) 
Oh, that's bo- no girls. Love I'm this. looking at it and I'm like, I don't think girls watch this. <laughs> no, I think I'm there with I'm there with Des. I don't remember the particulars about it because I was so young when it came out. But I, you know, twenty some odd years ago when it came out or whatever, I I I don't think that this was aimed at getting an equal number of males and females in those seats. I, also, I feel I that like it was from, definitely from more heavily geared looking, towards teenage and young adult males than it, it was females. From uh, looking but, from looking at the pictures, it looks like guys probably related to these two, and, uh, and girls were not into them. They, they were this, these weird rocker guys that always had like really pretty guy, girls around them, and they were just kind of average guys. So, but I, you know, I, I can tell you one thing for sure. I don't know about girls watching it back when it came out. I don't know about none of that. What I do know is for sure it wasn't popular in Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm pretty sure because there's no such thing as pay phones in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Moving things along to the beautiful world of trailers. We got a slew of them this week. And the first one to get into is my number two most anticipated film of the year. It's Quentin Tarantino's ninth film inside of his universe. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We all got a chance to check out the trailer. Gentlemen and lady, what do we think? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I yes. think it looks good. I just love it. Yeah. Yeah, looks great. I'm very really much looking forward looking to it. Two really good-looking men. I'm very excited Yeah, Mark Robbie is fantastic. We don't She's see not a good-looking man, Shama. <laughs> I just see her going like this. Yeah. yeah. The dancing. She looks amazing on the poster. Listen, you know who looks oh amazing? Gosh, you know, you know who looks amazing? Shama's getting. Leo DiCaprio. Leo DiCaprio. Yeah. He, you know, that interview, the way it opens up, it's so funny. It's it's so, like, of the time. It feels like of the time. And then that oh, that moment where Brad Pitt is talking to, right before he's going to do the fight scene with the Asian guy, and he's like, my fists are, are, uh, <laughs> are licensed legal we- uh, lethal weapons. And if I... <laughs> if I, if I, kill, if I, kill, I, kill, I kill, can't even get through it. And he's like, <laughs> Yeah, if, if you I do anything, if you kill anybody, it's a manslaughter. Prison. If anybody accidentally kills somebody, they it's go to man prison. Slaughter. It's manslaughter. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a moment! And then what in the trailer? What an acting moment for Leo when the little girl tells her that's the best performance she's ever seen, best acting. What? Start what a, that, that next moment Yo. is one of the best moments in acting I've ever seen. Oh, Yo, it's like, so good. L- l- it's crazy that like. Leo, I mean, he started his career early, like in the late 80s, and then obviously, like, well, what's he didn't give a great, you know, um, on, on on screen in the early 90s, and then, like, there was like, this, there wasn't, like, a low, but, like, he truly, truly kind of, like, broke out, like, in my opinion, but, like, catch me if you can, and then he just, like, shot out of a cannon, like, with Aviator, he starts, he's, like, he was, like, a well-respected actor as opposed to, like, being, like, the cute kid on Tiger Beat, right, and just what he does, like, he's, He's so tapped into like this, like movie star, but then also like one of the greatest actors of his era, and he owns it. It just like like what you said, that scene was like just, just yeah. Like I felt like that's really him, and like mm-hmm. I, Quentin Tarantino does this thing where he relates so well with his performers, and like just the way that he he's definitely my top five. The way that he writes his films. It's so Tarantino. It's so stylized. Like just the, the the production design. I feel like I'm being transported. And I and obviously the elephant in the room is how is he going to tiptoe across this very sensitive line that we're in right now? This sensitive climate of not disparaging Sharon Tate and her family with the Manson murders. Um, 
I really hope that I don't think that we should like try to oh is he gonna do something like what he did in Glorious Bastards? I just hope that he does something that it's completely unexpected and just doesn't dishonor her memory in her own. I tell you what, he he's he's evolved. He, every movie he puts out, there's such an evolution yeah. from him. Because I'm not, I'm one of those few people I know. I'm not a Tarantino fan, or early Tarantino <sighs> fan. It's it's not until Inglorious Bastards that I could really get into it. And I watched Inglorious Bastards, and I was just like, "What an incredible movie! Wow, Tarantino finally did something for me." I know everybody loves the rest of his movies, but not me. All right. So then I was just like, "I don't know. Like, I'm really concerned that his next movie, I'm gonna go in excited, and I'm not gonna like it." <clears throat> and Django came out and blew me away, and I loved it even more than Inglorious Bastards. And then Hateful Eight came out, and I know Woo! I know this is a very divisive movie. A lot of people don't I like loved it. it. It came out, and I think it's just as good as Django Unchained. And I think it's, it's one of the fantastic. strongest scripts I've ever read. It's fantastic, and then and so like and now I watched this trailer, and I'm just like, wow, he's just he's taking another leap upwards. It's like he's on this ladder. He's just every movie is just a couple other rungs, and it's you've only got two left. It's two great. Left, that's it's it. that's what he says. It's so impressive. What he's doing is so impressive. I'm so excited for this movie to come out. Uh, another trailer we got to talk about. Uh, Toy Story 4. What'd y'all think? Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not looking forward to it either. I think it it looks terrible. And I don't mean the and I don't mean the animation looks terrible. Obviously the animation for all intents and purposes is flawless. I think they don't look right. I compare it to the style of the animation in the first three, and it, they're almost, to me, they are approaching that uncanny valley in which they're almost too real, and it's uncomfortable because we have, and it's the same problem that the Frozen 2 trailer has. We've got these kind of sort of almost hybrid animated live action mm. characters in the live action world, even though I know in both trailers it's not live action footage, it's, you know, it's so realistically animated that it looks like it's live action and so i think it's lost the magic that existed in the other ones i just don't like the way they look and the toy story 3 was a perfect you know finale to the trilogy i i liked how to train your dragon 3 just a little more than toy story 3 but both of them i thought you know closed out their respective trilogies very strongly and so i'm I, I I can see this going by we way of Pirates oh, of the Caribbean. Let's just run this, this franchise into Ryan, the ground. Ryan, we Ryan. Ryan, we can't even get into this right now. We're not. We're not. We're not doing it. Don't do it. Don't you do it. Toy Story. No, nope, this is not. A, nope, this is not. A, I can't let something like this be said. <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon Three is better than Toy Story. 3? There's no way. I like no it. Way. It's trash. I can't even. I can't you put even it in the compactor. Right now, Ryan. You trash it. We're gonna Ryan, move right on. on. Listen, listen, listen. I get, you're not even allowed to talk. Uh, Frozen. That's actually something I love about the Frozen trailer. I love that first opening. I hate the first Frozen. I hate it. I think it's a terrible movie. Mm. Second Frozen actually got me excited. I really like that whole moment with the beach and the water and her. It's creepy. And it a looks, little bit. It's, it's a little creepy. Yeah. And it's dope. I don't know what the hell the movie's about, but I'm excited about it. I don't know why. Again, I hate the first one. But you know what? We're gonna move on. You gonna move on? Cause I don't even want to talk about this. Stranger Things trailer came out. <laughs> yeah, it oh. looks. It's a. It's a derivative coming of age story that's even so cliche as to add in the line in the trailer. You know, one summer could change everything. God, why? So wow. Why does not Ryan, need Ryan. a Ryan's third. Fire! <laughs> I love it. 
what is this? He's on fire, baby. Hey, let me tell you something. I like what he said, you know. About well, what? I mean, about okay. it expand. No, it expand. No, I mean, okay. I get, Ryan, I get exactly what you're saying. This is very. This does this seem like something that we've seen before? Yes. Yes. It seems like super eight. It seems like every great sci-fi film that we've seen, but there's something unique that I got from the first season that the Duffer Brothers did with Stranger Things that they continued in season two and that they continued... Like, I'm, what I get for the trailer is like this Americana, Cinematech, sci-fi... But I think they're going to do something a little bit different. I really I'm sorry. Really do. Are you calling Super Ant a cliche? No. No. He no, told me I said. No, 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 Ryan didn't say that. I'm saying no, that... No, I'm talking to Super, was Super Was Super Ant wholly original from something we haven't seen? The way, the, like, our coming-of-age stories original? No. No. They're done every single year, multiple of them. The way this one is done, yeah, it's different. It's original. It feels better. But that's not even the reason why we come back to see this. That's not the reason people came for season two. The reason people came for season two is the holy, like, natural, the holy organic, the holy loving characters that were created in this universe. The kids. They're so likable. They're so lovable. Wait they have a I natural am. evolution oh, crazy. that normal human beings do. Like in the se- in the fir- most of the first season, you don't even like Steve. And Steve has this nice growth as a character. And at the end of the season, you love him. Season two, he's one of the favorite characters. Season three, something is going to happen. This trailer is telling me something's going to happen to Steve because they were reminding us in the trailer how much we have grown to love him as a character well, and it ends. Ah, it ends don't say it. and i think he's gonna but you know what season you know three. that's what we're going for we're coming back to season three not because like oh i love another season of this coming of age no i'm coming because i want to see what happens to these characters because i've grown with them and i've and i've grown to care for them and nancy's gonna die too Nancy's not gonna die. Oh, Nancy's she's not die. even. She's not even in I the trailer. Nancy can go away. <laughs> she can she's die. in there. Barely. I, do, but, I have such disdain for female-written characters that cannot decide between two boys. That's the tropes that Ryan's talking about. So, like, you're right. You're right, bro. We come to these. We, we're coming back to this world because of these characters. But like, if it was if it was for not these characters, this is something that we've obviously seen before. I will say, I noticed that they upped the production budget like tremendously because the way that the whatever new Demi Gorgon that they're working with now looks leaps and bounds. That's the only thing I don't like about effects. the trailer is the Demi Gorgon. They're doing it. Oh, see, that's the one. That's the one thing that I actually like because that's the only shred of that's the only shred of horror in the entire damn thing. The rest of it just reminds me of some re it's just a reimagining of Stand By Me or You Fill in the Blank, other coming of age story. But these are supposed to be um, like horror adjacent, and there is nothing horror adjacent about the, the third season except for the fucking new Demogorgon. And so that's the only thing that I liked about the whole fucking trailer. Everything else is completely uninteresting. I never considered Stranger Things horror. I said what? horror adjacent. It is horror adjacent. Yeah, yes. but that's so interesting yeah. that that was e- like it just never occurred to me that it was even huh. horror adjacent. I mean, it was part of Halloween Horror Nights last year. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. That's I don't know. I'm just saying the way I watch because I have a really hard time watching horror films, if at all. So I have no problem uh, yeah. watching Stranger Things. I think it's more of a fantasy adventure, to be fair, but it does have horror elements into it. Well, speaking of horror. Yeah. It's that time, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for what you all came here for. This is the deep dive. Next on the report, we're getting all things. We're getting all up inside of Jordan Peele's Us. And I want you just to be able to sit back, relax, 
I want to approach this from a little bit different perspective if we can, because I probably digested a dozen or so hours of podcasts. I've read about five different um, essays, and I've watched a couple of YouTube videos. And I did. Have my you read my article, personal... Kalen? Yes, I did, Ryan. Okay, we're just making article. sure. If you haven't got a chance to read Ryan's article, Ryan, real quick, can you plug where to find your article at? Oh, it's rlterryrealview.com. That's real with two E's. There you go. Please make sure to go ahead and read that. Um, and we're going to obviously get you a little, you know, a, a little taste of what he had to say. But real quick, so this is Jordan Peele's Us. So I'm going to give you guys the plot, and we're going to kind of unpack a little bit. It's from the website. Accompanied by her husband, son and daughter, Adelaide Wilson, returns to the beachfront home where she grew up as a child. Haunted by a traumatic experience in the past, Adelaide grows increasingly concerned that something bad is going to happen. Her worst fears soon become a reality when four masked strangers, which they were not, descend upon the house, forcing the Wilsons into a fight for survival. When the masks come off, the family is horrified to learn that each attacker takes the appearance of one of them. Now, I kind of created a little segment here, and I want you guys to run with it. I call it Podspiration. Not the most pretty word, but I, 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 I feel inspired by the number of podcasts that I listen to. And I wanted to kind of inject something that I can take from a little bit. So taking a cue from um, at Movie Reviews and 20 Cues Podcast. Go ahead and give the listen and follow. I wanted to give this movie a compliment sandwich. You guys familiar with that? Sure, I, yeah. know, where, I yes. know where you're going with this. <clears throat> All right, so I'm going to go ahead and I want from everybody to go around real quick and be able to give one positive thing, a good thing, a bad thing, sandwich in the middle, and then ending with a good thing about this movie. And then we'll kind of go further into a deep dive. And I want, I want Dre to lead us off. One good thing, one bad thing, one good thing. I think the challenge is for us not to say all the same good things. Hey, if we do, that's, something that's, that's, a, that, that's, that's, that's a nice sandwich. I don't mind that sandwich, you know? Like, a burger is simple, like it's a bun and a burger, and, and, and that's it. That's cool. So let's, let's give it one good, one good thing, one bad thing, one good thing, Dre. All right, so one good thing is and I, I'm going to butcher the name. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Oh, God. Lupita. Inyango. Nyango. Inyango. Inyango. Acting was superb. Hey, I like that. All right. Bad thing? Um, one bad thing is... Uh, just one? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, was not a horror film. Okay. All right. One good thing. It looked really good. I like the way that that sounds. Shama. Yeah, um, I really loved the performance of Dupita Nyong'o. I loved okay. the uh, score of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved the cinematography. It's one good wow, thing. You have a triple one decker bad. sandwich, one huh? Good. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Sorry, sorry, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, it's okay. Yeah. So you gave, you gave me three good things. What's a good bad thing? The bad thing is the, the script is a little bit weak. Some of okay. the lines are really weak in the movie. All right. Uh, that's, one that's it. Okay, that's it. Okay. Yeah. All right, Ryan. T- <laughs> RL Terry. Oh, uh, the uh, just echoing some of the other comments. The uh, performances uh, all around are outstanding. Some stronger than others, but they're all exceptional performances. You know, the kids, the adults. Uh, you, they deliver their lines uh, in you know ways that you know, really you know, capture our attention. 
and it feels it feels natural for them and you know i empathize with the you know with their character and the uh they're just really strong moments especially from uh lupita yango when she's uh when she's playing the red character uh and her performance really stands out so just so that's my one you know positive thing on top you have performances all the way around the negative thing is quite important taking uh uh you know jumping off of what shama said uh, the screenplay is has a lot of problems the story doesn't necessarily have problems the screenplay has problems so it's the execution of the story uh which falls short of where it needed to be and uh the other compliment is definitely on the score the score was almost a character in and of itself and i you know if if anything gets an oscar nomination out of here i lupita's hit or miss i think it, it definitely maybe on a long list i could see her on there but really the, of all the elements i would really like to see oscar nominations for the score because it was it was just fantastic now that being said it's kind of you know it may not qualify for original score because of those songs that are in. There's it. some debate. Yeah, there, there's definitely so some it's, debate. So it, there's it's in a kind of a gray area. So I so I want to be you know I want to be careful when I say it's it's not 100% original score. But I I'm hoping that maybe you know so, you know it you know somehow you know even if maybe just I don't know how it breaks down when you're like mostly original, but then. You've got a couple of you know songs in there, but the score score was great. So uh, performances were great, screenplays lacking, score was great. Maybe they'll add a category that's like <laughs> partially original score, and then they'll yeah. take it away like they did for Black Panther this last season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead, Raul. Uh, positive thing is I'm gonna I'm gonna pick different things than everybody else. The shot of when you can see the profile of the sun against that red SUV Good and call. you can see her starting to straighten up. And it's just such a, it's such a great creepy moment yeah. of her. Yeah. And even how it's like how her, her, her motion is coming up and how it's edited. I'm pretty sure it's spedable. It's just so cool how she kind of strains herself up and then she just like turns and you're just like, like an oh. insect. Huh? Yeah, it's 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 almost like she's like a snake or something. She just peels off of the back of the truck and yeah. slithers away. Yeah. One <clears> bad <throat> thing is how right before that you can see the same. You can see it from in front of him, and you see the SUV, and there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> then, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> another good thing is uh, my man Winston Duke playing the corny dad. That's just a good. Thing. I got. I got to be honest with you. Th unintelligent. <laughs> Thick. <laughs> I'll say this. There is something, I couldn't put my finger on it, but like, I mean, he hasn't been in a lot, Winston Duke, but there's something about him that I just wasn't jiving with, and this movie completely turned me around on Winston Duke. So my my compliment sandwich is definitely the acting performances all around. My negative takeaway is the lack of narrative focus to the script. Um, and another positive, and I think we're, we're all going to be in a complete agreement, is Michael Abel's um, score. Um, while there's some ambiguity to its originality in some parts, the other things that he does with the score, just in the tone, I, I think, Terry, you said it yourself, it's almost like a character unto itself with inside of this movie. 
And um, I think it was a great balance between the suspenseful score. There was just kind of orchestral elements with the, like this uh, tribal score, in the, and, and it comes up like three times within the movie, and I thought that was really unique. It reminded me of the kind of operatic score in the opening of Nightmare on Elm Street, and I found a lot of... There's so many horror nods inside of this movie. Like, So I've watched the movie twice now, and I found that Jordan Peele is very deliberate in everything that you see. And there's some things that I thought in the first viewing were accidental, but he said himself in interviews, and it's funny, he kind of covers his ass both ways. Everything that you see I've done deliberately, everything that was done by mistake and that you didn't like was by mistake. <laughs> I thought that was like a really unique way to kind of, you know, cover his ass that way. But going forward, and, and, and Dre, you mentioned something that I think is a really good jumping off point, right? Is this a horror film? Big question, what is a horror film? Let's turn, yeah, turn to the horror expert. I mean, for this, uh, I mean, we could go on for, for minutes, so I'm just, for the sake of time, going to keep it very simple, is that, you know, a horror film is a story with the intent to horrify the audiences. It's uh, purposely, intentionally designed to be unsettling. It's designed to induce uh, fright and panic. It's the overwhelming sense of dread. It it uh, it more specifically evokes our um, our primal fears uh, in a very terrifying, shocking way. Uh, but all the while, it captivates us with the story and essentially takes us on a journey, not like not unlike a theme park attraction. And so that's why a horror film is one that is best experienced in a group setting because. The energy from all the other uh, members of the audience, you know, we, we feed off of that energy. And so there is something quite magical. Uh, I'm sure, it's, I mean, scientific or whatever, but for, for all intents and purposes, there's this magical experience that uh, of all of us laughing, you know, screaming, gasping together. Um, and so we're like fully, you know, engaged and enveloped uh, in the story. But at the end of the day, it's the intent to horrify and then you can you know you add in you know you can have you add in like you know the socio-political you know themes or uh you know other you know, uh, other subtext and you know the you know, so, you know the psychological this i mean there's all kinds of different avenues you can go but at the end of the day it's the intent to horrify yeah horror horror that's why horror and comedy are very are linked often very similar because they're they're two things that are experienced best in a group and they're two things that they're the two genres that are trying to evoke an involuntary reaction from the audience. Yeah, it's a physiological response. You know, comedy, largely, I mean, laughter. I, I'm, I know I'm being, you know, overly, you know, overly general, generalizing. And then in horror, it's to evoke, you know, screaming. And again, it's overgeneralizing. But it's, it's, it's this idea that it evokes a physiological response. Can a horror movie, because I've heard this debated on some other podcasts, can a horror movie have comedy? Well, of course it can. Most, yeah, a lot of them good. do. The, some of the best ones do. Thank you. All right. That, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I really respect your take in horror because I know that's like, you know, like you, you are a buff when it comes to that. So I'll say this. when we Before we watch this movie, guys, what were your honest expectations? I was tremendously excited. Tremendously excited. I was ready to be blown away. I was ready to be entertained i was ready to laugh i was ready to be scared not excited about that 
Um, and then I was excited to have my way of thinking challenged. Okay. When you when you say your way of thinking, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Well, that's what Get Out does. Ah, so... It really... That's good. Okay. Yeah. This movie has the unfortunate task of carrying the weight of expectations from Get Out. And of course, Get Out was Jordan Peele's Oscar-winning hit movie that nobody saw coming. And it's... I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's highly improbable to not have expectations of, is he going to be able to knock this one out the park? I think it's fair to have those expectations, while at the same time kind of keeping them tame. There were people who I've spoken to that literally thought they were getting a Get Out sequel, Get Outer. And this is not a Get Out sequel, Get Outer. Not at all. No, that's Um, silly. I think Get Out is a little bit more singular in its social commentary. I don't classify Get Out as a horror movie. Now, in your definition of horror, Ryan, it definitely can be. It's more of a thriller, and the social commentary is a lot more straightforward. In this movie, even from the marketing, the expectations, the social commentary, I knew was not going to be as straightforward because the trailer is very layered. So, Shama, Raul, if you can kind of put, kind of encapsulate your expectations and if they were met after you watch this movie. Um, no, I, it didn't meet my expectations, but it took it to a different level. It made me think like Jordan Peele is doing his own genre. Like, it's not, not a genre, but like it's something, I cannot like say, name it a genre, but it's, it's a different category, different classification. Somebody called yeah. it um, yeah, social horror. Now, I, I can't remember who I was listening um, to. Uh, I might agree on this term because it made me one want to see more from what he's doing. And I forgive the mistakes that he that happened in this yes. movie, you know. Yeah. And I, I'm looking forward to the next one. And I think maybe like when I see the movie like for the third time, I will have I will see something different that I didn't see the first and the second time. But I'm looking forward for more from him because it's really different. He's really creative. He's really innovative. So it didn't meet what I expected, but it surpassed what I needed to to see and. And I'm still looking forward for more. This, this is interesting to me. Let, let me uh, real quick, let me ask Sean real quick. Sean. Yes. We watched the film for the first time together. Yeah. And we watched the film for the second time together. Yes. Okay. At the end of the second viewing, you turned to me. Now, you can tell and me. And I said that was more me, disappointed. No, no, no. You can tell me if I'm lying. No, no. The words you said were, I regret seeing it a second time. Yes. That's enough. That's, that's because all I Because it made me no, see no, no, this, the wrong things again, you know? Like, <laughs> like, but I'm st- I still know that this mind is brilliant. It will sure. do more things, you know? Uh, okay. Now, Kaylin, uh, Colby, you said... You said... Get Out was simpler? Is that it was a more straightforward narrative. It was more straightforward. That's it. More straightforward. Because it had, it had this one thing it was trying to push. Yeah. Right? For the most part, yeah. For me, right? And I think for my wife, like, like the biggest thing is, like, racism can look different, but it's still a real thing, right? But it looks – it has many ways to look at it, right? Which I think is, is such a dope and message. It, it also has two definitions, whereas we only talk about one. Right. Fantastic. Well, don't Love forget it, about right? the, um, the uncredited cultural appropriation of, yes. a, uh, of another – a group, whether it's racial or not, and you know, taking what you like from them, but then discarding the individuals. Yes, absolutely. 
So, all right, two things. Two things it addresses. It tackles it beautifully. I think we can all agree. I don't think anybody here is a hater of Get Out, right? Speak now, forever. Okay, no. Now, Get Out, again, two things it's addressing. Fantastic. We love it. We got it. We consumed it. We understood it because it's clear. Now, a lot of people are, are watching this film us and they're saying oh well it has all these flaws it has all these problems but it's such a great film it's such a great film because we see where it was trying to go we see the potential we see everything he was trying to squeeze in and though it doesn't all work we see and for that reason we're gonna grade it very high we're gonna say it's an amazing movie because we see so People are like, oh, he's trying to squeeze like 13 messages. The only problem is that he's trying to squeeze in 13 messages. Well, yeah. Like, like, listen, trying to comment on things like horror is a great platform to send to get your commentary out there. It's awesome. All right. Just like saying something as an artist, having something to say, having a voice is fantastic. All right. The same way that Advil taking two of those puppies is fantastic for a headache. But if you take 13 of them, mothers, oh, my gosh. you're going to die, <laughs> right? That's what happened here. No. Okay. Uh, so, I, all right? guys, it, 13, no. Too many things to talk about, too many things to comment on are, are drowning this screenplay. They're drowning this plot. They're drowning everything, including the horrifying elements of it, because we're trying to get too much you, across. You, you brought up an interesting point, and, and I hope at this point into the podcast, folks, we're going to be the one podcast that seems like it's going to keep it real on exactly how we feel about this movie. Um, I, I, there's a lot of circles that I'm listening to. People are probably being a little bit overly nice to this film. Hey, to each their own. Um, but objectively, and I am a very subjective movie critic, and I, and I understand that. Um, objectively, there are things that we just cannot, we cannot let slide by. And, 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 and if I were to kind of like, you know, polish more of what you're trying to say, Raul, what I hear is be, he's the, 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 amb, the ambition, right? You can praise ambition while still critiquing execution. I, we I can like praise, that. Right? You, you can praise innovation while still being able to dissect how it was, I was incomplete. The word is not incomplete, not sufficient. And what I got from this movie, on my first viewing, I wasn't negative towards the film, and it's crazy because I kept saying when I heard the reactions by South by, I hear, "Oh, this film is very weighty. I don't know what to say. Um, I'm just sitting. Is it good? Yo, my dude, is it good or is it bad?" And yeah, nobody was saying nobody that. was saying that, and I, I couldn't understand why. But after the first time I watched the movie, I was like, okay. I get it, right? And Shama, you said something really uniquely. Yes, the film's controversial. Everybody's running with that. Everybody is projecting on the social commentary and they're losing sight of what the goal is. The actual horror story. Terry, you said to yourself, the horror story isn't that bad, but it loses focus and it asks the audience to dispense, excuse me, to dispel a lot of logic, right? Yeah. So, okay. On, on that, on that, on that, uh, using that as a jump off point, uh, Colby, I want to, I want to read to you um, something that, uh, my friend Leon over in Germany. And for those of you who follow me on Twitter, you hear me talk about Leon uh, often because uh, he's my German filmmaker cinephile friend who I watch a movie with every week. So 
Shout uh, so out you, Leon. Shout out Leon. So he's not on Twitter, so we can't tag him. He is on Instagram, oh. though. Um, but he's uh, not, on, not on Twitter yet. I keep trying to convince him to get on there. So this is, you know, um, uh, an individual who can provide us with his perspective from Germany. And he saw it. He saw it today. And so and this is this is what he said. Uh, the movie was partially well executed and the acting was pretty good, especially Lupita Nyong'o as the shadow. Very uncanny. But towards the end, the plot got very convoluted which is what we've been saying, and stopped making sense. It started to lose me once the other Shadow family appeared, reminded me of the invitation for some reason, and completely lost me after she went down, and I love this line, quote, escalator to hell. I love it. And uh, <laughs> the, uh, the explanation, in quotes, uh, for what's going on doesn't really make any sense and also doesn't suspend our disbelief, which you just talked about enough, for it to work. I don't know what Peel intended and if it was supposed to mean anything. Of course, he's in Germany, so a lot of the social context is going to be lost, so we have to, you know, we have to take that into consideration. Um, and then he said, the final plot twist is stupid and doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I will say, unlike Raul and Shama, my second viewing helped me it didn't. It didn't. It didn't make. It didn't change my grade of the film. It did allow me to gain a better respect for what one. I actually love the direction in this movie. The direction does not save the faults of the script, and the script is overly ambition uh, ambitious in what it's tackling. Um, I attempted within my full written review that I'm not done yet to remove the social commentary for a moment from my critique. Because you could just spend hours trying to break down everything, the symbolism. One, I I don't know the exact Webster's dictionary of what the what an allegory is. Um, there's a lot of symbolism. An allegory seems a little bit more singular or maybe dual in what it's trying to go through. Like you mentioned, Raul, there's a lot that he's tackling, um, and there's so many nods. Like the production design is great. I really enjoyed the cinematography. Uh, a couple of scenes that stood out. And I really want us to kind of break this down if we can. One of the scenes that had some of the best cinematography, in my opinion, um, was the scene being able to see. And I forget the name of the family, but I guess for you know, from you know, we'll call them the White family, Elizabeth Moss's family in the film. But that oh, don't you worry, <laughs> white people are calling the other family a black family. Hey, all right, cool, cool, cool. So yes, yeah, so uh, when that family was murdered, one the way that the camera moved out and we saw everything and. I am not the cinephile that R.L. Terry is, but um, I, I was hearing it kind of like um, uh, juxtaposed to some classic horror filmmaking, being able to kind of pull yourself out from the scene and you're seeing like all these characters on screen at one time. And I just thought that looked really well. Um, and it, 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 it made one, this story that felt small and contained, we now were brought out. And I thought that that was really representative for the bigger scale that the movie then you know, grew into. And then the and then the blocking of that scene was yes, that was. So you, you mentioned you mentioned that. I, and I I, 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 have, thinking, I, I gotta agree with Raul. I mean the I, the the and he and I have talked. Did it seem uh, slow? He and I have talked at length that w neither one of us say the directing is bad. The directing lacks finesse, just like the screenplay lacks true vision. I should say true vision that no, is, the, the, that is executable. 
with precision. Okay, I'll, and so I'll, I'll agree with that. So there are issues with the choreography in that scene. There's issues with the choreography towards our showdown with the fight in the rabbit classroom, and it's just like the, oh, the blocking doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. And yes, you could argue that it's connected with the dancing, which also doesn't make any sense because surface girl is below, basement girl is above, and so we were told that relationship only goes one way, but now all of a sudden, I guess that relationship goes two ways. But, you know, it's not, it the the dance, yeah, we're, we're, we're supposed to recognize the dance because that's what we're cutting between, but I, I feel the choreography looks like it lacks the precision of dance and ultimately does not appear to be realistic uh, at all as either a fight or a dance scene. I want to know what our producer thinks. Hold on. Of this particular part? Or just in general? Just the choreography of both that kill scene of the white family. <laughs> and they were a and very white dancing, family. They were white white. Yeah, and I think, I think <laughs> the choreography goes even further to even when they were in the house. And the mom and the son are running out of the house, and the daughter, and they meet up at the docks. I think it, the choreography is bad all, all around. I, I, I can see what you mean by there. It, there was a, in my first viewing, I felt like a lot of the behaviors or actual physical motions felt suppressed and, and or reserved. And I didn't really understand why. In my second viewing, I did feel that it was sped up a little bit. And I don't know how much I was projecting on wanting to see that corrected. Um, Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! So, inside of the dance fight, obviously at the end of the film we now know that Red, who's the shade or the uh, the tether to Adelaide, Adelaide was abducted as a little girl, and I'm, I'm assuming that she's about eight or nine years old. But she's not the tethered. Adelaide is the tethered. Well, I'm saying original Adelaide. Her name was Adelaide. It, that's where it can get confusing. So for the sake of this, I would say yes. So Red was the tethered. Adelaide is... Well, sh shit, no. God damn it. See, that, ah! that's why the screenplay <laughs> doesn't work. You just proved my point. Well, it, I mean, but that that is... I, I, <laughs> we can end it right there. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, okay. Regard, regardless of the fact is that I'm looking at it from the lens that Red, during this dance battle, one... Logically, why does a red do what she does? She makes it very plain when at the home invasion scene inside the house is that I am going to enjoy this. I've been waiting for this. I waited for the right time so everything was just right to exact my revenge. And we didn't know to what, why does she need this revenge? She is, she is um, a, a predator playing with her prey to her own fault. Yeah, she's doing it to her own fault. Um, she's being very deliberate and not killing them instantly she is exacting horror and terror in like this really like really odd way and you just don't understand it and you're feeling frustrated as an audience member and this is where the direction is is, is coming to a fault because there needs to be something that's done there to reassure the audience that there's going to be a comeuppance at this point you don't understand why they're doing there's nothing that is informing it now i will say Lupita Nyong'o's performance, like, oh my God, there's so many things that she just informs in everything. Her acting is like superb in just how restrained she is and then how slowly throughout the rest of the evening and to the next day, she starts becoming a little bit unhinged. You start seeing shades of who she actually really, really is that inside that scene, remember, 
She's had her face pressed up against glass. She's been like in a physical distress. Her movements are slow because she is tired. She's been walking and searching and Red is super reserved. All of her energy is like waiting for this moment and she's very calculated in her movements. So if you were to look at like the, the, the duality of it, Red's movements are very swift and deliberate as where Adelaide's movements are very like sloshy and ugly because she's tired. So where you're looking at like, oh, that looks like bad choreography or blocking. No, I'm just seeing this woman who's just been like, been through this whole ordeal. And I'll say this right now. I don't buy what everybody's selling that she actually doesn't know that she was once tethered. Have you guys heard about that? Yeah. No, yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I, yeah. A I'm, lot of people, let's be real, because, because this is all over the place. There's a lot of different theories by a lot of different people. There's a lot of different social commentaries that a lot of different people are coming up with. And this is what happens when you have abstract art, you know, art that's all over the place. And therefore people interpret it very differently and people see very different things. Oh, I, I um, like that. Now, Desiree, I know you guys are, the I, uh, abstract art. I think that is, I think it's a great yeah, way to put it. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't think I they meant for it to be abstract <laughs> art, but yeah, it does. They did not mean for it to be. It does lean a little bit this way. Now, my my issues with this film start with the trailer. Oh, really? Um, yes, because when I sat down to watch the movie, the trailer gave away a huge point that was not supposed to be revealed yet. What was that? I knew, I knew immediately when. She went into the funhouse for the first time about a couple minutes or so minutes into the film that they switched. And I know this because they showed her choking in the trailer and they did not show it in the movie at that, that point. Oh, no, I picked up on that. It's an excellent observation, Desiree. Yeah. And then yeah. and then it was confirmed when she had a raspy voice. Yeah, the moment she started talking, Desiree turned to me. Shama was on her other side, so she turns to me. And she goes, That's yeah, right. they switched. Yes, I heard That's why her voice is like yeah. this, because she gets choked out. Yeah. And I was like, what? That was a big mistake for the what the trailer did. Aside from that, aside from that, as we continue on, I, I am so frustrated that they showed the family and they showed the whole us thing so early on. I'm actually, I'm actually... Uh, I don't like that he said it's us in the trailer. Yeah, I, I really, I've been saying that. Yeah. yeah, I really feel like there was a, an element of suspense that they missed out on by showing the family that it was us, where they could have had this terrifying, you know, 40 minutes in the house trying to figure out who these people are following them, and then towards the end realize it's us, and that was the big reveal, and they could have taken that out of the trailer. And I feel like it would have been way yeah, more Yeah, you must impactful. have been sitting in on my lecture this evening because my my lecture tonight <laughs> at the University of Tampa was on the art of suspense as prescribed by the master of suspense, Alfred Hitchcock. And it's delaying, essentially delaying what the audience anticipates. And we didn't have enough of a delay there. We There, there was the payoff was very early on, as you said, and so there wasn't enough. We I, an analogy I used in class this evening was uh, coffee or tea steeping, and so if you just throw the tea, if you throw the hot water and the tea bags in, you know, for like two minutes, your tea's not going to be very strong. If you only allow the coffee in an old-fashioned percolator to only percolate for a couple of minutes, it's not going to be very strong. The only way to have that strong coffee is to let it brew for a long time, or tea has to steep for a long time. 
And I think that's a good visual representation of what you need to do to execute the art of suspense is to is to delay uh, what the audience wants or to give the audience a position of dramatic irony, but don't allow it to pay off until way later. And I was also surprised by the home invasion, which I thought was done really well. It kind of reminded me of The Strangers a little bit, but it's so early on in the movie. And, it, and I feel like we have two different movies that we have put together, kind of like Frozen is two different movies put together. I say that this isn't as bad as Frozen. I, I, that's an exaggeration, but it's like you've got two, you've got two different movies that you've put together. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna comment on the house thing, and as far as houses go, it's amazing to me how well um, horror films and thrillers use houses. And I feel like they missed that. They left. Yeah, yeah. Why did they leave? Yeah, like, yeah. You could have done so much. That's why horror films have these amazing houses with windows. Yeah, that, and... The point you're hitting at, Desiree, is called liminal spaces. Yeah. I, and they just left. And then they went to this you know, basement that we didn't believe yeah. anymore. Like, you should have just stayed in well, the house. I, I hear what you guys are saying in regards to feelings like it was so early in the movie. It actually happens closer to the midpoint of the movie. But the thing is, is that that's like no, that's the no, actual. No, 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 no. It actually happened in the trailer. No, no, no. We no, were told saying, before the movie came out that it was but us. There, but understand. But there are people. One, I know people personally that do not watch any trailers. Yeah, so it doesn't when matter. You're watching, it does. I mean, because because that's what's going to set up your expectations. Because to be honest with you, if you never watched the trailer, you wouldn't have seen that. So for some people who are looking at it just in the movie itself, like I didn't get the whole choking thing. But going back to the house. The actual invasion, which is the catalyst of this entire film, it happens closer to the midpoint of the movie. It's just that you have a whole other hour. It's a two-hour, you know, almost a two-hour movie. You have another hour to try to figure out, okay, where do we go from here? So the the the, the midway to the end of the second act, it drags a little bit um, in where we're trying to get to. Because ultimately, I'm trying to understand, okay, I'm all in on the home invasion. I thought that I thought actually it was done really, really well. I love everybody's reactions. I love the little interjections of comedy because as a like literally Winston Duke's character Gabe, he is the personification of the dad joke. And that's exactly how it would be in this similar setting. So it vibe with me. But then once we left the house, okay, where are we going? I need to know why the doppelgangers are here. Where did they come from? The first time that I saw the scene in the house where Red is presenting herself, I thought it was a really reserved performance. And the monologue on my second viewing didn't bother me. The only part that bothered me that I still wish, and I, I feel like it's saying something different, I just wish you would have chosen a different word, was the We're American. Yes. Yeah, two on the nose. We need to talk about this. Go ahead, yeah. Sean. Before, Sean before, go ahead. before we talk about that, hold on real quick. I just want to touch on one more thing. You said the... You said the reason we feel this way is because that didn't happen. It actually, you said it actually didn't happen until halfway through the film. And then we had so much of the film left. What is the genre of this movie? Horror. Why is the horror starting halfway through the film? Well, no, there's, there's horror throughout. The suspense. No, no, the, the suspense is there. I pro, did the you suspense cover, is did there. Did you cover your eyes before, no. before halfway through the film? It's there's not only, about scaring and covering your eyes. There is only one part that I covered my eyes, and you will not believe what part it is. What was mm. that? It is the very last shot where she smiles. No. That is but, the only part I cover horror, my eyes. But remember, horror isn't necessarily about scaring you or spooking you or into jump scares. Like this is this is this is a lot more 
higher brow. That's not what Jordan... Believe there was opportunities to eject jump scares all over this movie. Jordan Peele deliberately does not do that. Hey, that that owl was a jump scare in the mirror house. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It tried, it tried to be. It tried to be. But if you really wanted to do a jump scare, you know for a fact, you could have added it like a louder pop or you could have like sped it up to where it came out a little bit quicker and it didn't do that. I know to. where it you're going. Failed. I mean, and, and no, there aren't many jump even scares when, even, in here. Even when Gabe comes up out the water, there's a lot of opportunities to actually like legitimately scare you. And I that would be a, a, such a weakness of a director to miss out on that because it happens too many times. But the, going off what you're saying, there was no... Um anxiety i didn't feel enough anxiety no, regardless of, I felt it was all lapita it was all lapita she's the one that, that that's she's not the enough. emotional through that's line. not enough one she it's, more it's not enough, enough. no Sorry, no no it's not enough as far as we're talking about plot and it doesn't matter how far time-wise a reveal is into a movie it all depends on where it falls on the arc and i don't feel like it fell on the arc the right place so desiree has a very good point in that i did not feel that the movie was suspenseful uh, because I never felt like the tension, like tension was rising, but it was never, it was never delaying anything. Like it was, there was almost like instant gratification through the whole movie. And, and so, and that's not suspense. The suspense is delaying something. And I don't feel that it was a suspenseful movie. I never found myself in in a state of suspension. And I can see where there were definitely a, attempts made. And I think, you know, had the story not tried to tackle so many uh, different issues that it, it could have been. I think the movie did a lot of did a lot of great stuff, and I've tried point I've did, I've tried pointing that out. There's a lot of good stuff there. It's just unfortunate that the two areas that are the weakest are the two most important in any motion picture, and that is the writing and the directing. And but otherwise, everything else everything else does work to varying degrees, but it 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 works. But Without... We've talked, wait, real quick, we've talked about the plot, we've talked about the acting, I would really like us in these next few minutes to talk about what we were supposed to get out of the film, and if we did it, if we did, and if we didn't, why? So, that, so let's move to the Americans thing, Shama. Yeah. No, I, I, would, uh, I was about to ask you guys, what, what uh, does every one of you think about the meaning of saying we are Americans? Okay, here it is. This, the, uh, this is... Uh, this is what I feel uh, were the, the 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 big points. There are a lot of smaller points. The big points uh, with that it was a it was pointing directly at the MAGA movement. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that acronym, it's Make America Great Again. And so between uh, the red the 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 red shirts and We Are Americans, it's it's pointing directly at Make America Great Again. And then Hands Across America, it's a wall. And we're trying to get to Mexico. MAGA is commentary on MAGA is all over this. And I think to another extent, we're also commenting on classism. And so we have the people that are the uh, the upper echelon, those that are at the bottom, the ones that are at the top stay at the top, the ones that are on the bottom stay at the bottom. And yes, you might have somebody who is able to climb that you know ladder or escalator as it is in the movie. But then 
they then they they somehow wind up back down in the basement again and so we're yeah, and that's we're, the only commentary that i feel like a lot of people walk away from walked away with i feel like a lot of the other ones were a bit stretched and i was like it's not until i heard it but the social classes one i feel like it was the only one that was a bit clear and, and it's clear because you can see it you can see in like his competition with the white family the white oh, dad keeping up with like, the joneses oh, that's, a, that's another a better, thing yeah. better boat yeah. better better house, better house. He, the white family has better everything yes. and he's trying to winston duke's character is trying to compete with that family the entire film and then you see to me that that's what it was we're americans is like we want better well i i, I felt we're Americans, it would have been better said, we're you. We're human too. That would have been stronger. We're Americans can be so blunt that a lot of people yeah. can actually But we're human would be so straightforward. Yeah, no, that, so that's different. If they said Americans we're human, it, so, it would mean something yeah. completely and later, different. Later, by the way, in the chalkboard monologue, she does say, we are humans she too, does. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that, that's, I, I took that note, and that's where I feel like that she was further expounding upon from before. When you say we're Americans, it can come off like, I love a commentary that is very slick, that you cannot just parse like right off of. We're Americans. One, I, I'll say this. In the tethered world, I don't believe that she's calling everybody down there Americans. So if she spent this decades of trying to build up the perfect thing to say to her tether, I don't think that that was it. That felt the most forced in that regard. And I can understand that as uh, some of your, how you detract in regards to the, the screenplay and the dialogue. Um, the, the commentary, like I said, it, it runs wild. There was, the biggest thing that I think is most people see is classism. Um, and it's a movie that, like I said, it's not as straightforward as Get Out. Um, there's so many things that are well, going don't, on. Well, don't sell Get Out short. It was straightforward in a beautiful way. <laughs> it wasn't just like... No, no it, that's what I'm saying. It, it was straightforward, but it's, it was very yeah. deliberate. This is tackling so many things. Because, like, one, the, the Hands Across America campaign in 1986 was a goal to try to... to was, was try to gain $100 million towards these social efforts, and it never did that. It was unique that it's one of the lasting images that, uh, that Adelaide had before she became red, and that's why it's this... This this symbol for the, and it's, I didn't even catch it the first time. Literally in the commercial at the beginning of the film, it's saying we are going to be tethered yeah. together yeah. Oh, in yeah. this global effort. And I was like, Yeah, I go, oh, yeah the I second time, yeah, I didn't hear it the first time when she when the, yeah. it was in the and, and, and then then all of the symbolism of eleven eleven. And I mean, I, did you guys get a chance yes. to um to to read the uh, yes. Bible well, verse for it? I mean, I did not know that this was going to be an apocalyptic movie at all. And the, the scale to which this movie then grows and how the family just organically reacts like, wait, because the son says it. He's like, how many more of them is there going to be? And they're thinking, oh, it's just contained to these two families. They turn on the news and it's to the best. They're not, it's, it's definitely citywide. It's in all of Santa Cruz. And at the end of the film, you just have this sweeping grand shot of the actual Hands Across America actually coming together. It's showing, and this is, this is what I... I'm parsing the marginalized, the subverted group of people have the ability and the means to rise. I want to, if you, if it's okay, if it's okay, I want to blow through some things that I feel like are supposed to be symbolism. And I want you guys to real quick, just comment on what you think they mean. Um, first one, the rabbits. I think the rabbits are uh, symbolic of, 
uh, medical testing because this is set up to be some kind of medical Floating or research here. facility. Yeah. And then I think it's also a, a commentary on, on breeding lab rabbits. Okay. And so it's breeding people. Are we all in the same, yeah. are we all in the same place there? Yeah. Okay, jumpsuits, red jumpsuits. It's, it's Make America Great Again. Um, okay. Uh, Michael Jackson. <laughs> or Michael Jackson. Um, or. And oh, also, uh, Mike, Mike Mike Myers. Mike Myers. Just, and all oh. he, wore the, he wore the same jumpsuit. Also, just blue. something just to not have blood on. They don't, they don't want to have to remove stuff. Oh, sure, sure. Fair enough. Um, and then scissors. Mm-hmm. Cutting the tether. Uh, the, the scissors is, is yes, yeah, they're tethered. The tether. Well, yes, cutting the tether. But also, if you look at the, at the scissors, they're two halves. They come they're together symmetrical. and they're the same. Also, the food so. logo does look like paper cut people. So I feel like scissors are involved there how they got the scissors i don't know but let's not go there we're not going there <laughs> um, we're not we're not we're not here to dissect logic we there, don't got time for that there we'd is, be here all night there is one thing that has really irked me and i really feel like is important but either wasn't clear or people just i don't know i guess people just didn't get it i feel like it's so significant that the boys so everybody's a reflection correct so the dad's kind of dumb his dumb, his shadow is even dumber. You know, um, the girl is kind of a little bit crazy. Her her shadow is even crazier. Um, the boy, why is his mouth burned? Because he plays with fire. I don't think they don't show that. With I really feel there's some significance to the boy, and the mother throughout the entire film is way more attached to him than she is the daughter. It's because and of his I don't weakness. Know why. It's because he is more sensitive. He's he, she knows that her daughter can take care of herself. He cannot. So she sure. is, she's on him. I mean, my mother was like that with me. I was a younger child. I just want to put it out there for the audience to think about this. I, and I want to hear it, what anybody thinks. I feel like it's significant that his mouth is burned. And I don't know why. Because no other place on his body is burned. Just his mouth. Um, and then I feel like she's attached to him in a different way. They seem to have a, a bond throughout the film and it's clearly um, reflected in the last shot. So I just want to put that out there that I think it's important and I don't know what it means. Uh, I'm not sure I know what it means, but I think the relationship there, since you mentioned earlier that there's the exa- there's there are these exaggerated characteristics uh, in the shadows, um, that because the little magic trick thing that... Uh, that our uh, boy is playing with, you know, is some kind of a lighter that it's, and he's playing with it. I think it's the idea that the other kid exaggeratedly, I'm not sure if I can turn that into an adverb or not, but he exaggeratedly, you know, plays with fire. And then that is the consequence. And then the mask he wears is actually a very common medical mask that I think only comes in nude white. And so um, it's a mask that you wear when you do have facial burns. And so, um, so that um, so there wasn't anything strange about the mask. It's it, it's a it's a medical mask. We have to remember she tells us he was born to love fire. That's it. She's, yeah, it's very it's fire. very interesting. He he came out and he he started playing this with fire right away. This boy is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> one thing one thing I want to address that's frustrating to me. Is that a lot of the things I'm hearing out there? There's a there's a lot of great people, a lot of great verse, voices. Like uh, Colby said, we listen to a lot of other podcasters. We love other podcasters. We love listening to their opinions. We got you know that Potter family is a real thing. People we listen to each other. We're not just stuck with our own voices and listen to ourselves on repeat. That's not a thing. 
But it's crazy to me how so many of these podcasters are claiming they love this film. Not only that, but they're saying that this this screenplay is worthy of accolades, of like getting nominations and awards. And they're saying this at the same time as they're saying that they hate the plot device of the kid being able to control Pluto better than the rest of the family is able to control. They hate the evil monologues because they consist of over-explaining. They hate the shadow monologue because it was just too much. So they hate the rules, that the rules of the monsters are not clear. They don't make sense, right, throughout the film. And yet, they can say that this is a phenomenal script. You just pointed out so many flaws in the screenplay. And then you also sit here and say, but it is worthy of being nominated for an Oscar. It is worthy of being nominated for all these awards. I, I just, does it, does it make sense to anybody else? I agree. No, I agree. It I doesn't mean, make I, sense to me either. I, I feel like we agree that we still want them to make a f- good movie. So, like, we, we agree that there of is course. potential and we want him to keep making films. Oh, and he will. And he's, he's working on a yeah. brand for himself. And, and, and so it, it's, it's maybe, enjoyable. Maybe these people are afraid of, you know, snuffing the flame. I don't know, but... I feel like we're in agreement of that, but we're just going to... We're the only people who are going to call this film for what it is, and it's... I loved it. We watched yeah. We watched Us, and then went home and watched Get Out, because I was like, I don't, he's so great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I, I, I Of the group, I'm definitely the most favorable, and um, in kind of putting a bow on this conversation, and, and like I said, folks, we could spend hours speaking about the commentary, but I'm glad that we spent a bulk of this conversation really dissecting the film on its merits technically. And you know, if I can kind of encapsulate everything for everyone, the film succeeds in a lot of areas. However, the Paramount area is where it falls short in some people's taste in regards to direction, but in most of us, we all can agree, the script leaves much to be desired. Um, if I can just say that, Jordan Peele, you are an exceptional yeah. stylized director who's carving mm-hmm. out a very mm-hmm. unique place in cinema, and you have the keys. And not only that, he's producing so much. He's producing Candyman that's going to be coming out next year. And I'm very that that like literally next to Freddy Krueger, Candyman. I do. I would not go to the fucking bathroom. Okay. Um, so I don't. I don't believe that us saying that we expected more especially with the narrative. He does so much focus on the commentary, he loses focus on the actual screenplay, but you know it's there. We see it. The thing is, we can see what he was trying to do, but like we mentioned, you know, R.O. Terry, Shama, Raul, Dre, there was a lack of precision and execution. Uh, so going forward, let's, let's do better at trying to less project on the commentary and be, and be uh, kind of have like this, 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 cloudy milk over our eyes in regards to just being able to talk about the film objectively. Um, if we were to, like, if I could give this film a rating, I'm at a mm-hmm. solid seven. I'm a seven as well. Yeah, I'm at a, I've, I've gone back and forth between a hard six and a soft seven. And um, considering I've only seen it once, I'm willing to give it a little bit of, little bit of a benefit of the doubt. And I'm just going to go ahead and go with a seven. I... Give it a solid six. Shamalama. I give it a seven. Since day one, first viewing, second viewing, I was still on a seven. So check. So let let me remind you guys of the flare gun. 
in this movie, which oh. served served as served to me Such served to me scene. as Chekhov's gun. Right? They mention it, they talk about it, and later we see it. And you, there's this moment. There's yes. this incredible satisfaction of going hell yes. Hit him in the face with this flare gun, which he gloated you didn't have, and he did have because he's better than you, and you're about to pop. It's not really him. But it's it's him enough. You yeah. got hit him in the it's face, with it. and then he misses, and then he misses. My man, this is a solid six. There are so many things that fail. No, okay, hold on, wait a minute. No, the intent. I tried to put a bow. No, no, no. I thought. I, I, like, I thought you just put a bow no, 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 on no. That's what I thought. He goes back. This motherfucker. Yeah, listen, no, okay. I agree no, with him. No, he should have oh, hit listen. him with the fucking flare gun. He should have. Don't get me wrong, because you 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 see it in the trailer. And I gotta tell you, when I first saw that, I thought that was brilliant. Jordan Peele subverts a lot of the classic tropes of the horror way. genre. No, not always in a bad way. That actually was really great. That was bad. That was really, that, really that great. Scene was that bad. was bad. Oh, I, thought, I, thought, I thought that, that one, was I thought that was a great direction. That I think bad, that's a matter bro. of taste. It was bad. However, I will say, there are other moments that he should have obeyed the rules of classic horror. Like one, when you have a movie monster, like the doppelgangers, they have to follow certain rules. And they did it. This should have been about science. It should have been about supernatural. Because if this was a supernatural yeah, element in the story, we would we would have we would have suspended so yeah. much disbelief to where he could have done a whole lot. So next movie, well, the sequel of this movie is going to be they. <laughs> We're going to talk about they and them, and I cannot wait for it. Okay, I want I want to know the they, the them that that, that did it, and we're going to yeah. So the sequel, I cannot wait for that in they in twenty twenty two. But that's the goal. That's the conversation on us. And let me be honest with you, go out, see it again. I want to see if this movie is going to change your perception. Maybe it's going to highlight and you're going to feel just as sour about the movie as Raul and Shama do. Or maybe you're going to feel great and just gain that much you know, better ambition and just respect uh, towards this uh, this new cinema auteur um, in uh, Jordan Peele. But you know, chime in on the social media and, and let us know what you think of our thoughts. Uh, where was I right? Where was Raul and Shama wrong at? That's what I really, really <laughs> want to know. So please, just add us. Come with all your hot takes. Give us your opinions. Um, and um, we want to be able to chat with you. So make sure to follow us at Pod on Instant Twitter. And check us out on the website. We're going to get this pod out for you as soon as we can. Because I know you just want to digest a little bit of everything. But I want to go ahead and just get some final words. We're going to sign off and say goodbye. I'm going to let our honorable guests who did so great. Thank you very much, Mr. R.O. Terry, for stepping in, you know, bringing it in for this conversation, man. Uh, What do you want to say to the peeps out there? uh, Again, thank you guys uh, very much for having me uh, back on the show. And it's uh, been a great time talking about this movie and uh, have had a lot of fun. And and, uh, although we share many uh, similar takes on the movie, we had enough differences to... To have a fun, uh, you know, uh, sparring match, you know, over um, over our evaluations. So, um, no, just uh, you know, follow me on Twitter at uh, rlterry1. I, you know, do my very best to uh, interact with everybody as an individual. You know, no matter how many followers I have, I I look at everybody as individuals making up a community, and so I strive to have those individual interactions with everyone. And I love seeing your content, and I love making you part of the conversations I have on hashtag film Twitter, hashtag horror Twitter, uh, because you know you make the difference. You know, join the community, join the conversation, uh, follow me. I'd love to count you uh, amongst uh, my colleagues that I have on there. Absolutely, man. Please get out and follow uh, Mr. R. L. Terry, and make sure to check out his written review on us as well. Shama, take us out. 
thank you guys for listening uh, hopefully we're like uh, nice guests on your speakers on your airpods on your earpieces anything you're listening to us on you can follow me on Mohamed Shama M-O-H-A-M-E-D-S-H-A-M-A at Twitter and Instagram Oh, you're definitely going to be a blessing on everybody's speakers. They love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can... Drizzy Dre. If you like photos, you can follow me at Ezerphoto. E-Z-E-R. Perfect. And Mr. Nevado. Hey, you can find me at the Raul Nevado everywhere. I'm there. Come find me. Perfect. And as always, it's always dope spending time with you guys. Please get at us on all the socials. Like, subscribe, comment, and share. Be a part of the show. If you have a report, let us know. I'm your host, Kobe Mack, and this is Minority Support. Peace.